Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Shuttlepod at the Disco. This is Shuttlepod at the Disco Season 2, Episode 7, in which we talk about Discovery, Season 2, Episode 7, Light and Shadows. I'm your host, Kayla Yacovino, and I am joined by my good friends, Matt Wright. Hey, guys. And Jared Whitley. Hello, friends. Um, and just before we get into the episode, we do want to mention a little bit of news that is sort of our forte at Trek Movie, um, keeping up on all the Star Trek news. And there's been big news lately about the Picard show, which is a hot item. Kind of everyone's really excited for this. Um, and little bits and bobs have been coming out. Um, and Matt, why don't you give us a rundown of last, the things we learned, what, today and yesterday, basically, right? Yeah, we, we actually, yeah, late last week we got... Um some news from production weekly which is like an industry newsletter and so we wrote that we actually just wrote that up this morning just in time for more news to show up which is kind of funny when it rains it pours kind of thing um so officially the production is going to start april 14th so just a little over a month from now they're going to start shooting stuff which is pretty exciting it's crazy yeah Uh, yeah and and uh they'll be back in you know shooting it in california which i have a feeling patrick stewart really wanted is, is our guess and they're going to be shooting it out we even know the studio location they're going to be shooting out at santa clarita studios sorry it's not back at paramount we all hoped it would be but paramount's already busy and really booked so i mean basically if you're in la like the stages are booked like it's really hard to find space there so sorry it's not back at paramount i think everyone probably would have liked that like i bet you the production would have wanted that too but they just couldn't do it so and casting has started which is pretty darn exciting again for being about what five weeks out they better start casting right right <laughs> and um i just hope everyone got those headshots that we mailed them as well <laughs> right the, the right to go along with them right yeah well right. since we haven't gotten a call yet then they, they must have just gotten lost in the mail they have to darn or the calls come darn. tomorrow May it's right, tomorrow. right right it's the only only two explanations right exactly uh so and we also know the director which was a really cool thing the director that's going to lead off the series through the first two hours of the first 10 episodes like so it's a 10 episode 10 episode season and yeah, they you know described the it as a 10 hour movie yes they like the yeah patrick stewart's very hyped he likes to call it that mm-hmm. um so we know the director is hanella culpepper who she's already directed well it, she's directed two disco episodes one her second one hasn't debuted yet but she directed uh in season one she was part of the mirror universe stuff she did um vaulting ambition which was really, uh, you know, which was a good episode. She did a good mm-hmm, job. Mm-hmm. And then she's also got episode 10 in season two. So we're almost there. This is, you know, we're going to talk about seven today. So she's got like, a couple more episodes. We'll see her work again. And so I guess people really liked working with her because they picked her to lead off the Picard series, which is pretty cool. Good for her. She's a vet of lots of TV stuff. She's been, she's, she was just doing Counterpart recently. She's in Supergirl. She's in Flash. She's in Gotham. So she's not exactly a stranger to genre TV. Genre fit, yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah. And we do know Frakes, good old Jonathan Frakes. We know that he'll come in. He's been asked to come in and direct at some point, too. So, you That's know, this, this, this good stable of people that we know do a good mm-hmm. job are being pulled together. And that's awesome. The other thing that's nice about Frakes coming in is there's the part of us that can't help but want this to be getting the whole band back together. Oh, but, sure, of course. But it, but it can't. Wants that. But yeah, it can't, right. right? 
And so yeah, the more people there are behind the scenes, like if they get Freights to direct a couple episodes, if they get Marina Sirtis to be the voice of the computer, that way we still get a little bit of the feel for that. But it doesn't yeah. tie the creator's hands to the point exactly. that they feel like they have to just do a remake of All Good Things. Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, so we wrote that up, and then lo and behold, CBS decided to actually announce a couple people that have been cast to work with Sir Patrick Stewart. Uh, and so our first two names, again, they're being very mysterious about the characters, so we just know their names officially, like the actors' names officially. Um, we've got uh, we've got Santiago Cabrera, who has been in a number of things. Um, he was most recently in HBO's Big Little Lies, and he's been in... Uh, some so he's been in uh Che, which was a Steven Soderbergh movie. He was mm. even in a Transformers movie, forever oh, really? that's worth, yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of funny, uh. but well, so but, was Leonard Nimoy, no judgment, yeah, exactly. True, so true, true, true. and and no surprise, he does have a connection to Alex Kurtzman because mm-hmm. that's how people get cast as they know people and they're put forth for roles, sure, right? Sure. So he was on a, a kind of a short lived CBS series called Salvation that was one of Kurtzman's, you know various shows that he's pitched to cbs over the years so that's one person another person that i think a lot of people are excited about because she's she's been around like for a while and was really well known for law and order svu is michelle hurd um she kicked off in fact she kicked off svu she played detective monique jeffries for the first two seasons and so like i've seen her face all over the place like i don't really know her specifically but i've seen her like all over tv so it's cool. Like I've I've seen her before. She's been on Ash versus Evil Dead. She's been on Daredevil. She's been on Jessica Jones. She had a reoccurring role most recently on Blind Spot. And of course, she's had something to do with the Kurtzman, you know, world of CBS is that she was on Hawaii Five O periodically too. Hmm. So there's another there's your connection of, you know, who knows who kind of thing. Sure. Um, so that's that's what we know. But this is kind of exciting. It's cool to see like yeah. faces of people even if we don't know quite who they're playing yet like yeah mm-hmm. these are you know these are actors who have some decent like stuff you know decent drama and in, in their you know to their credits so that's cool like that's good yeah and stuff's only gonna keep ramping up from here because i mean if they're starting yeah. production in a month and a bit yeah they can't keep this too quiet at this point <laughs> yeah so yeah um like you know if you want to read more about this there's like like Matt said, there's a bunch of articles um, with all the details of what's going on for the Picard show. Check that out at trekmovie.com. And obviously, you know, keep your browsers pointed in that direction for all the news to come. <laughs> that's right. Brow- browser pointing. That's uh, <laughs> yeah. that's going to well, be Matt- the big thing in 2019. <laughs> Matt can back me up. Brows- that's like a technical term, point- right? You sure. Pointers. Sure. It is. Domain it's also... pointing. Yeah, it's a common turn of phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I just right. picture a little pointer, though, you know, pointing at it like a little dog. He's a little pointer. Oh, a pointer. It. I was thinking uh, like the mount, like the cursor. It is. It is. That's really. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough of that. <laughs> We're all here to talk about Discovery, darn it. Yes. Yes. So let's. All right. So <laughs> on to the disco part of the shuttle pod at the disco, which is mm-hmm. um Again, talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 7, called Light and Shadows. And the teleplay was by Ted Sullivan. Uh, the story is by Vaughn Wilmot and Ted Sullivan. Uh, and this was directed by Marta Cunningham. Mm-hmm. First time director for Discovery. She's a new so, name for us. 
let's um, remind ourselves and our viewers what happened in this episode with the official CBS synopsis. Jared, <laughs> take it away. Michael Burnham goes to Vulcan in search of Spock, where she unearths surprising family secrets. In researching what is left of the Red Angel's signal over Keminar, Pike and Tyler end up in battle with time itself. Giorgio has a few tricks up her sleeve for Leland and Section 31. Okay, and I like how they slyly fit in the line of one of the movies there, right? Goes to Vulcan in search of Spock. Yeah. <laughs> aren't yeah. they aren't they clever? <laughs> yes. Although you think about it, they don't really have to search for Spock in the movie. They know where he is. They just need to get there. Yeah. Yeah. This this was point. actually a more challenging search for the title character than it was in the movie. But anyway, True. we'll <laughs> save that for when we do our analysis of Search for Spock at some point on the title pod. That's mm-hmm. right. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. That should be next actually. We were just we just did Wrath Yeah, cuz we did Wrath of Khan. Which I think led well into this season because of all the movies, that's really the the one with the most religious imagery, which they're using here too. So it's, oh, hmm. that's nice that parallel. is a good point. That synergy. is a good point. I mean, yeah, there's more religious imagery in Wrath of Khan than there is in Final Frontier, where they actually meet God. Anyway, ah, true, true. <laughs> but so it's neither here nor there. We're talking about lights and shadows. We're talking about lights and shadows. Let's um, let's do like we do uh, every episode of Shut Up Out of the Disco and kind of do a little roundtable, um, get everyone's general reactions to the episode. Um, why don't we start with you, Matt? Well, I, I, I liked it a lot. I felt that it f- just felt right and, and it felt a little more focused than some of the other episodes recently. Um, it's maybe not the perfect episode because really what episode is, <laughs> but I, I just felt it just seemed to feel a little less chaotic and a little more focused on, on like two main storylines, which I thought mm. was kind of refreshing. So, yeah, overall, pretty positive about this episode. How about you, Jared? I thought the episode was shot really well, and I appreciated that they could still do some uh, you know, some creative uh, cinema work without kind of these over-the-top, like, uh, sweeping pans or, or I don't know, yes. tilts. I'm not sure exactly what they call them. And, like, there's was, there was one, like, beauty shot of the Discovery right at the beginning that I thought was just absolutely lovely, right? Because hmm. we've – think about it. How many episodes have we seen where a ship with the saucer and a nacelle comes flying by? And so to find a way to make that new and different after 700 hours of seeing that, it takes a lot of crafts, craftsmanship. So so kudos to the uh, cinematography on this one. Nice. In terms of the substance, I thought they did a good job. Well, they continue to do a good job, uh, and I mentioned this last week, of balancing the fact that Michael is the main character while also not the commanding officer. And the interactions between mm. her and Pike continue to be really good. I thought they did a good job of balancing all the other secondary characters while putting her in the main action. Especially, this is a particular challenge because we also had the Spock family here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the so, Spock family, the family Spock. Or the, the, the Sarek Grayson family. I'm not sure exactly. Anyway. Right. The, yeah. um, so I thought that was good that they balanced all the characters. Sometimes when you have a lot of characters, it can feel, it can feel uh, kind of jumbled and mm. crowded. Uh, crowded, I guess maybe is a better word. Yeah. And but this one didn't. I thought everybody had a yeah. chance to do or say something cool, uh, without anyone feeling shortchanged or without anyone except the main character uh, crowding out too much of everybody else. So see, so and that, that that hits on a, you just hit on exactly why I I couldn't. You know, I couldn't actually, I guess, vocalize it the way you did. But yeah, that's why I feel like this episode just feels better and more, you know, hmm. less chaotic. Right. Yeah. So. I guess it did feel like 
there weren't any of these little storylines that felt like, oh, we need to give that a minute and a half of airtime. Yeah. Like in previous episodes, yeah. sometimes they, they've had like one little scene and you're like, they're trying to carry on some story thread. Like, I'm mm-hmm. glad they didn't shoehorn anything with like Colbert and Stamets. Yeah. Oh, sure. Because it would have been too yeah. much. Yeah. Right. Um, Colbert is next week, which is good. We can wait a week. You know. Yeah. I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought like there were some cool moments in this. Um, I really liked the the shots of Vulcan um, and mm-hmm. seeing Michael go down to Vulcan. That was really cool, and that was that was a nice moment for Trek where we get a 2019 view of what Vulcan looks like, and it was mm. more context of a Vulcan city than we've ever seen. Yeah, I think a lot mm-hmm. of times we see the Vulcan sort of uh, the like the wilderness. <laughs> you know, it's just like a bunch of rocks, and like they're out in the desert somewhere, and there's sure. a cave. Yeah. And this one, there's like a big city. And so that was pretty cool. Um, you know, in general, story-wise, I think I agree with you. It was, it was a little tighter. Um, at the same time, though, I, I'm i kind of like lukewarm on this episode. Um, mm. It wasn't particularly memorable for me. Um, you know, I guess maybe it's because they've been dragging the Spock thing on for so long. <laughs> like when yeah. we finally saw him, I was like, oh, cool, finally. But I wasn't like shocked right. or excited. <laughs> right, you know? right. Yeah. No, that's understandable. Yeah. There, so there, it, there's, yeah. There, there's yeah. also the fact of cramming Burnham into this family we've known since 1967 or 68 or whatever invariably detracts from her as an individual, right? It's like we're not meeting her family and that sheds some light on her the way oh, it was interesting sure. to meet Deanna's mother or or Ben Cisco's father when they went hmm. to New Orleans or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Instead, like she's the attachment to them. That's right? a good point, Jared. And and it inevitably undermines her and makes it difficult to to see her as a person. Having said that, and I'll say this every week, I pay so much attention when they talk about her family because I want to hear a reference to Sarek having previously been married to a Vulcan princess. I want to hear that. <laughs> I want to hear that so bad. No, it, I, I want to hear something about Cybok. Exactly. Exactly. That's what he's saying. She's yeah. Cybok's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the quote yeah, Sar- Vulcan Sar- princess. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. Yeah, Sark apparently went off and sowed his wild oats, you know, when he was younger. And <laughs> you get Cybok. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they were estranged. Could well, be. in theory, they kind of were because Cybok splits off and all but We that don't stuff, know when, but... right? No, not exactly, but Cybok was definitely older. So Definitely, mm-hmm. okay. definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure we'll ever get that, but there's a contingent of people, Jared, just like you, who are like, when are you going to drop the name Cybok? Come on. Okay, <laughs> good. You know? Good. What, what are we going ter- to term for ourselves? Right. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Team Cybok. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's stick with what's actually here in the episode. Let's talk right. about the Red Angel. Let's talk about the Red Angel, which actually doesn't have much at all to do with this episode, but no. it sets it up. It leaves a trail, basically. Yeah. yeah. And so so here I, I'm actually a little bit confused about this, so maybe you guys can enlighten me. So at the beginning mm-hmm. of the episode, the first thing that happens is uh, the crew are studying these tachyons and some, uh, some rift in space-time caused by a tachyon field that was left by the Red Angel, right? Mm-hmm. So what is that? It wasn't clear to me the connection of the 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 three things: the tachyons, the red angel, and the the time travel. So they, the red angel leaves it behind, leaves a trail of tachyons behind. 
Had they established that last episode? No, 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 no. Uh, a few episodes back, they actually drop it in exposition. That's the thing that they found left behind at the asteroid. So if you go all the way back to, uh, if you go back to the scene where Cornwell tells Pike and Leland to get along and continue to investigate the Red Angel, yeah, there's exposition there that says, by the way, we sent a science team to that uh, crazy asteroid you guys found in episode one mm-hmm. and left behind were a bunch of tachyons and some strange things. And they discussed that briefly on the section 31 vessel at the end oh, of the episode. So, and then they basically bring, they bring it back up again in dialogue here, just in case like you missed it. It's like, Oh, just like that team found that you want, you know, they got, you know, yada, yada. So yes, apparently we knew this, like, okay. this is the thing we knew. Yeah. Cool. Uh, time distortion is, is unexpected. Like that's right. a new. And it's problem. not clear why that's happened. No, it's not. Other than, you know, tachyons are one of those crazy particles that it's do the time crazy particle. shit. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. So well, they're not chronotons, have... at least. Well, that's true. But tachy, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I feel like tachyons always have to do with time travel, though. They do. They do. They, like they, they often do. It in they have to do with, yeah, they have to do with cloak transporting and or time travel. Like all these things <laughs> can like tachyons. can maybe generate them, you know, as a byproduct, basically. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, so these tachyons um, create or or hearken some kind of time distortion rift in space time classic trek moment rift in space time i was i was not like i felt like the inner story critic in me was like rar this is too easy plot device but then i was like no this is what they always do in track like this but it's always yeah 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 um and then we get this really cool uh effect where they have these time echoes i loved that loved it yeah, I thought that was super cool. Um, and it was a really neat way to show it. I thought that that worked really well for me. Um, and like, meanwhile, right, I think congruent to that or just before that, Burnham goes to Pike and says. Yeah, just before. Just before. Mm-hmm. Right? Burnham goes to Pike and says, I've got to go to Vulcan. Um, she says, this threw me for a loop. She says, I haven't seen my parents in a while. And I'm like. She's like, I haven't seen Amanda or Sarek in some time, so I have to go to Vulcan to talk to them. And I'm like, literally, she was on the ship like a week ago, but okay. So she convinces Pike to let her go to Vulcan. Yep, and then the time distortion opens up. Okay, so now I think we're cutting back to Burnham going to Vulcan, and we see that, that scene I mentioned where we see um, these yeah. lovely visual effects uh, above liked Vul- it. Vulcan City with that really cool shuttle uh, flying down um to Sarek and Amanda's house. Yeah, it's like a suburb of the city basically. Yeah, it looked mm-hmm. really cool. I liked it. And and can we just point out that it was raining because it's like monsoon season there. Come on, it's a desert. Like it doesn't not rain completely. Right? You yeah, I, mean? I liked that. Cuz I Pe- hate the people whole People are trope. always like, "Oh no, it, it doesn't rain there." And it's like except for if you look from space, you can see bodies of water in Vulcan. Now they're not huge, but they're there. Like Plus, it can't, just... it can't just never rain. Right, yeah. it can't never then rain. There would right. be no life there. In, right, unless, like, exactly. Unless it right. had been terraformed and that hadn't been like their ancestral home for thousands right. of years. which of course is not true. So Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, like basically she visited during monsoon season or something. It's, it, makes, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and it, it's it. And it's a cool visual. Like, I like it. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Like, we don't have to have snow planet that's always snow everywhere or <laughs> yeah, desert this isn't, planet that's desert everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's like, this isn't Star Wars. There's, this isn't Hoth. <laughs> Hoth it's, not tat- yeah. it's not Tatooine. It's not Hoth, you know. It's or fine. a Stargate where every planet looks like the forest just outside of Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. You do what people, you gotta do for budget reasons. Well, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones because it grows a hell of a lot of Star Trek looks like just outside of LA. Yeah, so, it's yeah. true. <laughs> so many <laughs> desert planets. So many desert Look a lot like Vasquez rocks. Yeah, and the or, movies and, too. And or Bronson Canyon. And or, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah well. Anyway. <laughs> so... There's sort of these two storylines going on. So there's the whole Burnham following the Spock line, and she's going off to to her family. And then there's the this time rift thing. And yep. on back on the back on the meanwhile back on the ranch back on the disco, Pike uh, decides that they need to take a shuttle toward get, to get closer to mm-hmm. the uh, time rift. So they can yep. la- they want to launch a probe into it. Um, and he announces that he is the most qualified one on yep. the ship to fly the yep. shuttle, which seems crazy, but sort of sort of tracks with his character arc in this episode, I thought. Sure, it fits. It makes sense later. Um, so Tyler and Pike, who have been sort of butting heads for the whole season, really, um, end up having to go on this shuttle trip together yeah because tyler invites himself along as the section 31 liaison he's like well if you're gonna go investigate the red angel i'm coming and pike's annoyed by the whole thing <laughs> can i just say i'm annoyed by the whole thing tyler yeah, is so it, annoying it, in this episode it is it is kind of annoying tyler i don't know i don't think we've talked about this thing but we don't i don't think they quite know what to do with him at this point you know i wish he would go away i really dislike the character in general but the, like this episode he was completely just like being an jerk oh yeah he was trying to poke pike like poke his sore spot like repeatedly basically so tyler tags along oh by the way pike calls him this is a really really old turn of phrase that i had to go look up because i was like what the hell does that mean he calls him a bad penny and that's a really old like 1800s turn of phrase for like basically a person that like comes back and you yeah don't really a bad them bad penny turns up yep i mean it makes sense but i was like what the hell is Bad Penny? Oh my god, like, like somewhere in time. Anyone? Nope, sorry. I know what it is. I've sorry. just never seen it, actually. Sorry. Uh, well, spoilers for Somewhere in Time. Go watch it. It's great. And that's in the 1800s, right? Yeah. Like, a, as part of it? There you go. See, that's a, so that's an era-appropriate phrase for them. Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. He uses that. And I was just like, I don't know what that is, but it kind of makes sense on the face of it, but let me go Google it to be sure. Hmm. Yep. So there you go. Yep. Well, I agree. I <laughs> and he is a bad penny, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Just keeps showing back up and tagging along. And, being and Pike's a jerk, like, "Go like away, dude!" <laughs> throwing this badge at Pike, like I get oh yeah, to do whatever that was I want. that was some snotty shit. Where he's like, "Oh, yeah. he's my Section Thirty One badge," and I and I love, I love that Pike. He's just sitting in his chair and he just goes, "Dude, the chair outranks the badge." Like, yeah, that was this, good. This is my damn ship. I'm in command of it. You can yeah, just go take a walk, and yeah. that's exactly like. We, we, that's exactly what somebody like that's what Kirk would do that we know that what Kirk mm-hmm. would be like forget you dude I'm in command of this ship like yeah. screw off I think I mean, every captain we know would every do captain that. Would, would do not that too. oh yeah absolutely no captain no captain would put up with that shit they're like do you you know do you run the ship no I do <laughs> get out of here man like what yeah. are you talking about yeah so I thought that was nice that was a good moment I like Pike kind of 
not putting up with this shit. Because yeah. as we know, Pike has sometimes been like a little bit of a people pleaser this season. Sure, so. sure. <laughs> like, like at the does... beginning, like when we first meet him and he says, oh, ranks don't matter. Right. But I mean, hey, if you have to pull a rank, you have to pull ranks. So he's gonna. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Ranks don't matter if everyone's doing the job they're assigned to, but when people yeah. become openly insubordinate to the captain, yeah, and no all kidding. of a sudden it's time to pull rank becomes kind of important. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 So they uh, go into the shuttle. Mm-hmm. And they head down towards the rift in space time. And, yeah, and things get even more timey wimey. Yeah, man. Stuff gets weird. Stuff gets super weird. Pike, I thought, I liked what they did where they did the little foreshadowing thing where pike looks over his shoulder and he sees himself in the future shooting tyler yes Mm. that was really awesome and that was right after they had this big fight so you're thinking wow what's going to happen to put them in that situation yep so i thought that was cool Mm -hmm. um well done then what what goes let's see Josh, I'm getting lost in like this this scene. Well, like... I mean, they basically get that's the problem, right? They get lost in that, <laughs> and so it's really hard to like track at certain points, you know. But I I think that's about the time where where Pike realizes they're kind of screwed, so he uses the uh, ignite the plasma trick. That... Right. Okay. So that's when they can't they can't get out. They're stuck. Yeah. At they this point. right. They're stuck, and so like, well, let's get a beacon. Basically, like, let's light a candle, you know, as a beacon, like for the discovery to find us. And I think it's interesting that of course, Pike knows this from being like an old shuttle pilot, but apparently Tyler like thinks he's nuts. And it's like, dude, you can see where he's going. Like shut up for a second and listen to him. You can see where he's going with this. Like there's a reason to do it. And so he gives him shit for it. Pike basically has to say like, okay, well, if you do this, like we're going to, I'm going to court martial your ass the second we get back to the ship. And he's like, Oh fine. And flicks some switches and does it. And that's also obnoxious, by the way. Like, dude, do, do you're in the same situation as, like, Pike. Do you want to get rescued? Like, shut up, you know? That's really also, obnoxious. Yeah. Also, what a crazy way for a guy to behave who's working for, like, a spy agency. Yes. He's making himself very overt and, like, noticed, isn't and, he? And reckless. Like, yeah. And, and so. like, if his job is to kind of embed in the ship... Why would yes. he risk alienating yeah. so many people, including yeah, the commanding I mean, officer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's why he's that's why he like adopted like the standard uniform, right? Is in theory he's embedding himself like in the yeah. ship. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, and that's he's like the whole reason why Gar- why why Garrick was always like all smile and sunshine the first two times we see him is that's he's right. trying to ingratiate himself to people. Ingratiate, perfect word. Yeah, you want yes. people to talk to you. Yes. Yes. So the plasma trick is cool because um, that's a nice little maneuver that we see Spock do in the Galileo 7. Scotty mm-hmm. also thinks he's crazy for doing it there. So I guess some people know about this trick and some people don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, But that's a cool little you know maneuver we've seen and or will see again, depending on whether you look at this in-universe or in the real world. <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, man, how about that probe, though? That's the crazy thing that really shows up and messes with all of this is like yeah. the, their the own probe. probe. The, well, yeah, I, it yeah. reminded me of Dr. Octopus. Totally. Yep. Yep. It's a sentinel from Matrix or Dr. Octopus or, Dr. or whatever. Oc- yeah. Yep. Yeah. So their probe, but not exactly their probe, huh? Like it's yeah, sort of and it's flung all back of a at hostile them. hostile for some reason? Well, it's, okay. it's been reprogrammed and upgraded. We don't know why, though, from right. 500 years in the future, which yeah. is crazy. So the twentieth century, something shitty is going on up there, huh? Something crazy is going on, I, and like, yeah. I, I thought that was good that they picked a century we haven't really seen. 
Well, do you know what goes on in the 20th century? This is interesting. I have no idea if they're going to tie into it. But do you know the one thing we know about it? Wait, is that the, the one episode of Voyager? No, actually, it's from Enterprise. The future guy that was informing on the Cibobon uh, in the Temporal Cold War, he's from that time frame. That's okay. the only, but that's the only from thing the, we know about that time the inter- frame. The Enterprise J. No, that's the 31st century, Dang actually. Is that that's the, the problem. It's a cult. No, it's a cult. No, that's more Enterprise. The problem with the cult, temporal cold war is that it's from all over the place. So there's 20th century people getting involved. Mm-hmm. There's 31st century people. Daniels is from the 31st century. Uh, that's mm-hmm. where you see the Enterprise J. And then there's people from the 22nd century as like their pawns. So oh, it's kind of okay. confusing. Anyway, future guy who's this kind of shadowy guy that informs the Cilibon, <laughs> he's said to be from the 20th century. Oh, okay. That's But that's it. That's like all we know about this time frame. Maybe so. it's maybe it's future Suleiman. Maybe, but we'll I don't. Still... I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't, know. I don't think people liked the temporal cold war even during Enterprise. They did. I don't think they did either. I mean, they were, you know, they were told to shoehorn that in to make cool future things happen because UPN suit the UPN suits didn't like the idea of a prequel. You know. Oh. So okay. Poor, poor Braga basically pulled that out of. That was that was an idea for a totally different show he he had, and he was like, "Well, oh, I, better sh- I better shoehorn this in because they want like crazy future tech. They don't like a prequel." And yeah. was well, kind of and, and to Rick do it. Rick Berman also had an obsession with time travel. Well, that, well, that was that, mostly Braga. Oh, it was yeah. mostly him. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I think they both did, but that was Braga was really into it. I mean, you figure you figure Brandon Braga is the one who wrote <clears throat> the time loop episode in TNG. You know, the really, oh, which sure. was really great. The cause but, and effect. One cause of the fact, yeah, one of the best, one of the best yeah. episodes. So that's about all we know. It's from somewhere in the 20th century, and this thing comes back. It's basically sent back to them, totally altered and yeah, malicious for some reason, mm-hmm. for unknown reasons. Mm-hmm. But start start attacking the yeah. shuttle, and mm-hmm. meanwhile, you know, they're trying to figure out how to get. They they the Discovery crew have figured out that Tyler and Pike are trapped, and mm-hmm. Saru says, "Okay, this has turned into a." rescue mission now another nice saru takes command moment yeah that was nice actually um and then they make the the connection to you know weird timey-wimey stuff happening mm-hmm. with uh when weird timey-wimey stuff happened before to the discovery crew <laughs> in yep. magic to make this sanest man go mad aka the mm-hmm. mud episode where he comes and commandeers the ship and kills everyone over and over um uh, yep and they remember that stamets was the only one who was not affected the same way as everyone else by all the time changes. And he was sort of existing outside of normal space time because of the tardigrade DNA that he had put in his body to Mm. surf the mycelial network. And so they make that connection and and Stamets says, oh, hey, yeah, no, I I see space time differently than everyone else. And so to me, to everyone else, this looks like a jumble. But to me, I can sort of see through that and I can use the mycelial network to plot out what's actually happening in the rift. Yeah. So he and Tilly have some good stuff where they like do some crazy advanced temporal mechanics like math on it, you know, mm-hmm. which I liked. Yeah. So that's so that's going on. And they're they're trying to figure out how to extract the the shuttle while it's being attacked by this probe. And I guess they don't know at this point what's. Yeah, they don't know that. It. Yeah, they don't know that's happening, but they just know they have a countdown before it's lost completely. That's right. all they and know. it's like yeah. super soon. It's like you have four minutes. I can't remember what it was, but it was something like, "Wow, they're well." It, it was like three hours, but it was taking forever to calculate. That was yeah, one of the okay. problems. Yeah. yeah, it was really down to the wire. Yeah, yeah. 
and so this probe as they're they're working they're working hard to get them out but this probe is like attacking the the shuttle and it starts it busts through into the shuttle and starts uh inner starts um like probing their computer and it looks like it's extracting all kinds of data and things like that yep and attacking whoever comes near it you know to try to stop it of course yeah and so then we finally get to see that moment that um pike got a glimpse of he got a glimpse of his future of Mm. him shooting Mm -hmm. uh tyler in the back of the shuttlecrafts and so actually what had happened was the the pro wrapped one of its tentacles around tyler and was you know trying to kill him basically and pike shoots his gun right at Tyler, but he hits the, the, the tentacle of the probe and gets him to let go. So it was actually him saving Tyler instead of, you know, shooting yep. and killing him, is, which is what it looked like at the beginning. And I, I mm. thought that was nice. That's a nice yeah. misdirect. Yeah, it was. Because you knew it wasn't going to be... You knew they were going to do some kind of misdirect, but... Yeah, exactly. You knew it was something. Yeah, it couldn't be that simple. But that was nice. So, what happens next? Something amazing. <laughs> it's true well Stamets like I, I love the scene where he's like well you're just gonna calculate how to beam me in and I'm just gonna go for it like oh that's right oh my god yeah he beams in I almost forgot because because they know like the shuttle that's the thing like oh, he's the only one that can see that like basically the shuttle isn't outside of transporter range just yet right yeah like, he can tell he can tell that's the case and so he and Tilly calculate how to do that and of course he has Tilly operate the transporter controls and you know she's freaking out about it and i like that he just says look trust you know trust your math like trust your own calculations like i wouldn't just let anyone <laughs> send me over to like yeah. potentially nowhere you know like i thought that was a nice. bit of a stretch that they could beam him in there but I yes they are stretching it a little but you know like okay so maybe it's one of those things where i don't know i guess that that distortion like isn't that far from them and potentially they could be in transporter range right like and they, but they just disappeared from our perception, you know? So they're still not really all that far away yet. Because mm-hmm. as, as Saru likes to say, the, the question isn't where, but when, you know? Mm-hmm. Like when, when they are now. So <clears throat> I think that's how they fudge that. Eh, you know. Yeah, it's yeah I, I, can't, I can only sus- suspend my disbelief so far, and that was a little too far for me. Hmm. Well, as we know, they like to basically transport people, like, <laughs> anywhere and everywhere in Discovery. As we've seen, yeah, they, well, they stretched just, that pretty far. It reminded me of the whole trans the trans warp beaming. beaming. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, uh, well, thank God no bit. one said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we were all kind of on the edge of our seat, hoping that they wouldn't. Because the thing is, and I guess we'll talk about this a little later. Uh, the the Catrick Arc type of place that Spock is in the old temple. It reminded me of the one they go to in two thousand nine, where yes. where uh, Sarah mm-hmm, and Amanda mm-hmm. are hiding. So they were kind of already in a two thousand nine frame of mind. With that so, anyway, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it, they 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 might have you know stumbled into that. Luxury. I think people know never to touch the idea of transwarp beaming again. Now okay, <laughs> I think good. they really do. I think so too. I think but this reminded gotten... me of it. I thought this was almost as absurd. Yeah. yeah. The, the, Whatever. The, the the problem with genre fiction is you need to keep. I mean, you need to have your magic, whatever it is, but there needs to be rules behind it. Because if there are no rules, then then, um, right. then there's then no drama, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because then, how if you establish in this episode, oh, we can do this with our transporters, then there's no reason you can't do it any other time, right? Right. Like, exactly. Right. 
and, and and something you know to insert the Orville briefly here is they've specifically said that they don't have any kind of transportation technology, right? Because right. I think they realize that that adds a little bit of drama if there's that limitation to our heroes. So mm-hmm. it's something you need to be careful of. Anyway, small digression. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Stamets comes in, helps saves the day basically, and gets them back out into sort of normal space, right? For just to be seen, like just in time to be seen, so they could lock onto them. And then they realize that the probe is still tapping into their computer. And then when they, when the discovery goes to help them, it starts tapping into like the discovery's main computer. Yeah, which is which is bad news there. And so in the middle of them attempting to basically like hang on into like normal space, get transported away, deal with the probe. So they're going to blow up like the shuttle, which is like, you know, crazy tense that all this is going on at once. They're going to blow up the shuttle. So the probe stops. Arium attempts to get in there and like hack it as well. And uh, boy, I got to say, it kind of looks like Arium herself gets hacked in, in the attempt here. She's huh? so hacked. Yeah. You got those little three red lights glowing yep. in her eyes. Yeah, I'm thinking a 500, you know, years in the future computer virus basically just like took over. I'm did thinking something so there. too. I don't know what it's going to do, but my guess it's going to let her like evolve somehow, like some new, you know, something new, something that helps her like pinpoint the red angel or, you know, who the hell knows, but something more. Mm. It's going to unlock something or like, you know, imbue her with some new. Power, well, now, and now they have sure. now they have this in their back pocket. Every time they need some technology that doesn't exist, it'll be like the sphere, right? The sphere of all the data. Arium can be like, "Oh, well, because I was infected with this virus, I know about this thing." Oh, you, yeah, you mean like maybe. Borg nanoprobes? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. True. So they yeah, can it's heal be like you, that. or they could, yeah, we'll just inject yeah. some Borg nanoprobes. And see so, what so you're saying Arium is the new seven of nine, basically? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in that in that regard, yeah. yeah. I mean, they not necessarily, but they, they could do that. I could very could. much see them well, doing that. I, I, I'm sure it, like, does something to, like, unlock something, you know, does something to, like, give her new skills somehow. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We will see. So, meanwhile, flipping back <laughs> to our A story or our B story? I'm not even sure. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're Whichever. I guess equal. A story because, yeah, they're both pretty equal. Basically, I think it's A story only because... Because Burnham Spock. started first, and oh, because okay. Spock, yeah, and because Spock, right? Yeah, yeah. Back in the family drama that is the Sarek family drama, like yeah, the, family the like, soap opera, the, the, exactly the daytime soap opera. <laughs> the, the soap opera, <laughs> as the Spock turns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, I just I also like to point out um, there's this whole scene with um, Amanda chatting with Michael while. Mm-hmm. Sarek is meditating. He's in like deep, yes. deep meditation. Yes. I guess he's doing some kind of like mind thing looking for Spock. Yes. Right. Um, and well, first of all, I just want to note that I think I need a pair of mini Vulcan knee pillows for my meditation. Did anyone else notice the little knee pillows? Yes. Yeah, so that was like crazy. I'm like, <laughs> okay. super cute. They also look like. They're not very functional, though. You know what I mean? I feel like James Train was like, my knees hurt. Can I get some pillows? <laughs> and they grabbed some of those, like, beanbags that they put at the bottom of, like, lights and stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be so, like, uncomfortable if it was those weight bags. <laughs> it's true, though. it would oh, be, I God. guess. That's what they look like. That is what they look like. That's really funny. 
Um, anyway, Vulcan knee pillows. It's a thing. So he's got little little knee pillows, not one giant pillow to, to sit on or whatever, but just right. No two individual knee for individual each knee, knee, a left and a right. Yes. I think that yes. CBS should um, market to should sell those for sure. Vulcan brand knee pillows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sarek's own. Anyway, mm-hmm. enough about the knee pillows. So this whole while he's <laughs> on his could, knee pillows. Could there ever? Could you ever say enough about the knee pillows? Really? You know what? No. Tune in next week for our special edition of Shuttlepod, where we only talk about those pillows for three hours. Sarek <laughs> uh, brand knee pillows. <laughs> this episode of the Shuttlepod is brought to you by. Yeah. Um, so while he's on his knee pillows, they're having this this conversation that I feel like they definitely wouldn't want him to know about, but they're kind of like, "Well, yeah. he's meditating, so like it's fine." Yeah, but they're like, doing it with an earshot. You're right. It's kind of yeah, it's and then ridiculous. and then yeah. later, right? They find Spock, or they go to the you know Amanda says, "Oh, mm-hmm. okay, I'll show you where Spock is." But he's not he's not himself or whatever. He's not how you knew him. She, yes, she, she brings him to the this this like you said Old country, temple temple um, mm-hmm. where Spock is, and I love how like <laughs> I love that Sarek walks in and everyone's supposed to be all shocked that he found them he's like you betrayed me and it's like yeah because you guys were literally talking about it right in front of him (laughs) (laughs) like like, he's meditating he's not deaf (laughs) anyway i thought that was funny yeah (laughs) so they find spock in in this temple um Mm -hmm. he's he's cuckoo bananas so it seems so it seems He's muttering to himself. He keeps repeating mm-hmm. words, and and he, he just he just keeps talking in what seems like nonsense. Uh, he scribbled a bunch of stuff all over the wall. He's like huddled over. He won't communicate with anyone or look anyone in the eye. So he's gone off the deep end, apparently. And then not so much though, because if you listen, he's repeating the foundations of logic to try and ground himself, and he's repeating the same number sequence. So it's not just like it's nonsense, not random, right? sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but as far as we can tell at that moment you know it's right at that moment it seems like a mess yeah. Uh, yeah and then we get some more there's been a lot of infilling of spock's history in yes. discovery and we get a lot of that here so amanda brings up the the fact that spock had a learning disability as a child latokterai hmm. mm-hmm. that's right yeah latokterai um which is Sort of like dyslexia. I think she describes it, right? As similar to dyslexia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it, yeah. Where you kind of, you mirror uh, patterns in your head. Um, mm-hmm. And that it was so hard for him because he was half human and, um, n- you know, no one around him in- on Vulcan was able to be sympathetic towards him or, or able or willing to help him. Mm-hmm. So, and I guess all, the only thing we know of Spock's childhood from canon prior to discovery was really yesteryear right yeah Pl- and i guess know, star plus trek 09 the, well and journey to babel because that informed yesteryear sure okay right. sure but yeah all we know is that he was picked on as a kid really like exactly. that's, that's that's what we know right. for sure so this all this sort of seems plausible that like they're like look your little half-breed experiment has like a learning disability what do we care why would we like bend over backwards to work with him right sure. you, yeah, can, that, that, you can kind yeah. of see that it's consistent you know, yeah you could see that working as 
I mean, it just makes Vulcans like massive jerks again, kind of like Enterprise, you know, Vulcans, like from from the prequel, you know, Enterprise Vulcans. Yeah. Kind of makes them assholes again, you know? It's like, yeah, really? You're not going to like help them? Yeah. I kind of feel like, you know, if you watch the original series, they, they set up Vulcan culture as superior to, as to humans in every way, to the point that in Journey to Babel, I think Amanda even says that, yes. which is their way is better. And so much of the franchise has yeah. been trying to backtrack that, right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. like the the times when we see Vulcans on Deep Space Nine, they're the jerks who mm-hmm. who um, are bully Captain Cisco and the Niners of baseball. There's yeah. the serial killer. Um, I guess Tuvok was a very very good Vulcan. Um, he was. But then in Enterprise, you know they're they're terrible. So I, I feel like they're always swinging for the fences with these guys instead of just saying, hey, they're part of our in- interstellar family. Well, and even in, in Journey to Babel, Sarek is a huge asshole. Yeah. He's horrible. And I, I, I think it's interesting because I went back recently and watched Journey to Babel because we've been getting so much Sarek and Amanda um, in Discovery. And that's where we meet them, right? Journey to Babel. Exactly. Yes, when, yes. Yeah, yep. That's, that's when, the first time we meet them. Yeah. When Spock, when, yeah, um, Captain Kirk, they're coming on this, this delegation mm-hmm. and then Captain Kirk's like, oh, I'm, I understand we're also going to meet your parents. And Spock's like, these are my parents. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you just met them. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then, but that whole episode, Sarek is a huge asshole to everyone, especially to Amanda. And she's completely subservient to him. Yeah, yeah. So it's a completely different Amanda that we see here. So it's interesting to me what happens between now and Journey to Babel, which is how many years later? What, almost a decade? Yeah, Yeah. like a decade, yeah. Then what happens to that? Or is this just the face she puts on to outsiders or what? So I think it's her face as like ambassador's wife. You know what I mean? Like that's what she does in public. But I, I also think it's her way of trying to show, oh, yeah, I'm cool with this emotionless society that I'm actually not cool with. Right, right. Because hmm. here in this episode in Discovery, she's very vocal and she's putting Sarek in his place. She's saying, "Look, we're with this is a partnership." I know. I really like that because, of course, he's like, "Oh, under my authority," and she's like, "Excuse me, try again." Like, no, you know. I yeah. like that. But like, I guess from what I had learned of the Vulcan husband-wife relationship from Journey to Babel, it was that it was. Sarek says and you yeah, whatever Sarek says. Yeah. I don't know if it was ever so clear. Yeah. Right. But like but yes, that's sort of the way it appears. <laughs> However, when she claims diplomatic immunity under her husband's job, oh, that, that is explicitly his authority, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. When he I thought that was that like too. stretching. And he says like only yeah, only if I allow it, you know. Yeah. Which is true. Like that has nothing to do with because well, it's kind otherwise it's an abuse of power, right? Right. Right. Yeah. So, so Sarek comes into then, you know, so Michael and, and Amanda are kind of still butting heads over what to do with Spock. Sarek comes in, yeah, and says, you know, only if I allow it, basically, can mm-hmm. you make any of these decisions, Amanda? And here's what I think. I think um, section 31 is the best place for Spock to go. And Michael should deliver him there. Yeah, I know. Like, Okay. You can kind of see where he's going with that, but like, yeesh, really? That's Why section really 31, think? though? I would have thought that he would say she can take him to Discovery or... Well, because section 31 has officially been tasked to find him. And he does he does lay out like his logic to it, which is like section 31 are like the, the pros 
they've been tasked to find him. They've been tasked to work on the Red Angel. Spock has red like pieces of the puzzle for Red Angel. Therefore, like they're motivated to fix his brain. Now that's a little faulty, but that's what he basically says. It's faulty, like, and we, we oh, go ahead. And Jared. we see it. We see it's faulty. Yeah. It can also be the idea that he never thought highly of Starfleet, and so maybe he sees this as an organization, a paramilitary organization within the Federation that he has more faith in. I'm surprised. Well, I don't know what would give I don't know why he would. doesn't make yeah. any sense. doesn't it make any no sense It makes no sense because Sarek, of course, is, is a well-known. Like, Sarek is... Uh, well, this Discovery version of Sarek is totally inconsistent, but Sarek that we otherwise knew was very clear that he doesn't approve of really of Starfleet at all. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know why he'd be cool with Starfleet's Black Ops division, like, <laughs> taking his son. Right? You know? Exactly. It, it doesn't make any sense yeah, at all. Yeah, it doesn't. So he, so, but that's his, like, you know, he puts his foot down and says that. And then, and then he's also, like, he's a real asshole where he, like, ta- basically waves his carrot in front of Burnham, which is like, well, you remember what happened the last time you disobeyed orders? So don't do that again. And it's like, oh, okay. That's that's what you're gonna do? Really? Yeah, that was like weird you're gonna too. you're gonna like for as for people that are not supposed to be very emotional, like he's a passive aggressive shithead. Like, honestly. <laughs> let's just say that. Like he's just oh, like he's so hey passive aggressive. Oh, he's so passive aggressive. Like it, this this version of Sarek is particularly like really badly passive aggressive. I don't, I don't like that they did that to him. Yeah, me neither. Okay, you, you you know what is a great depiction of Vulcans in conflict with each other is the episode Sarek from TNG because it's him and his assistant who's using the the mind melt mm-hmm. to try to keep him calm while he's mm-hmm. on his last mission there in the Enterprise D and yep. and they they like respectfully forthrightly disagree with one another in a way that you know, professionals and, and a very ethical group of people would. Yeah. Uh, so I would recommend, you know, if we need help for writing Vulcans, please let's let's fire that episode up on the Netflix or the DVD. Nice. Well, Jared, un- what's what's unfortunate is James Frain actually says he's studied that episode oh. <laughs> in, the after, in the after show that they uh. that they have. Well, it's the yeah. writing, though. It is the writing. Um, that's part of it. I don't I don't think Frain's performance actually is the best either. I mm. don't think he's the right person for it quite frankly mm. but i i don't that's, disagree that's a sort of different topic of discussion but you know i just don't think that's the right person for it I nothing against him, him really i just think he's wrong yeah well and i liked him in lethe and then ever since then i've not particularly cared mm. for sarek or the acting hmm. he also he doesn't even bear particularly striking resemblance to mark lenard no yeah, yeah, you're right. Although that's, I mean, that's hard to do. They just kind of have to, they sort of have to cast for like a generic type at this point, honestly. Sure. It's hard. Although I will say like Mia Kirshner, who plays Amanda, doesn't look like, always look like uh, Jane Wyatt, but she does in many ways. And, and, like there's and a she, lot of angles. She, I feel like she feels like her. She does. I think so. Yeah. I think they, they nailed it as far as like, okay, if you're going to cast someone who looks somewhat like her, especially certain angles do, Mm -hmm. and there's a good feeling, there's a good vibe about it. I think they did a really good job. Yeah, I like her. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I like that she's stepping up and sort of pushing back on Sarek in this. It's nice to Mm -hmm. see. Because again, like we see this, you know, don't mess with the mama bear, man. She's going to push back. (laughs) But it's good. But it's good. Like, there you go. But you, you know, you should see that. People should want to fight for their kids back yeah. sarek's kind of annoying that he doesn't you know what i mean mm. like, mm. it's kind of annoying that he's just like ah turn him over to section 31 it'll be fine yeah. no one else in that room thinks that's a good idea you know it's but like, they go okay. with it but they do but they go with it 
Hmm. So that brings us to the Section 31 ship. Yep. And all of a sudden, our good friend Leland is our good friend Leland. Boy, he's he's your buddy now, isn't he? It's, <laughs> that's in, well, you know, I I really think that's a tactic, but we'll we'll see. You know what I mean? Like I think yeah, that's I know a style. It, 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 yeah, which uh, I think Tyler needs to learn from Leland. <laughs> he does, yeah. Because <laughs> as Jared you, pointed you know, out, Tyler is the worst spy ever. You know, you know, to mm. go back to Tyler for a second, like man, they just made him like the liaison. What is that like? Three days after being recruited, he he kind of needed to go maybe get some spycraft lessons. Maybe they just maybe they they let him this loose. is like this is a joke assignment. Just put him on this because he sucks. <laughs> maybe honestly, maybe they don't give. I mean, that's true. Maybe they don't give a shit. Like they they have their own agenda and they're like, whatever, just go. Like, we can't you know? babysit this weird half Klingon, whatever he is. Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe, page, maybe. And he's like, oh, I fit so well and everyone loves me there. It's like, yeah, because maybe they're just really good liars. They're spies. <laughs> maybe they're really good liars, right? <laughs> you know? like No, no, it's, that's legit. Really? Yeah, that's seriously? Legit, no, really. That's that's legitimate. Maybe that they'll turn be, yeah. at the end. On, they'll turn on him and then he'll like maybe. be like, I was wrong. Maybe. Uh, I, that's, I, that seems inevitable. Right, like yeah. you say that jokingly, but I can't. I can't envision any scenario where he well, doesn't. Well, just just like just like we know, Georgia was basically going to start working Section Thirty One for her own needs. Yeah, I mean, that's so obviously happening. Exactly. You know? yeah, well, that's, which, that's which supposed to be obvious, I think. Uh, yes, which which is, I think. could presumably presage the visible destruction of Section Thirty One, right? Because right. They, it's compromised. Right. And they say, "Oh, this has gone too far. We need to bury this so that it never comes back again." Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then, and then she'll be there with a mysterious look on her face that says, "Someday I'm going to poison all the changelings." <laughs> right, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> well, my, so, so my ancestors will. Yeah, sure. Her, her spiritual successors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Leland is playing the nice. You know, he's he's being good cop basically at this point. He did and a good job of it. He was convincing. He did. You, I, I think he might even buy it honestly that he thinks this is like the right thing to do Mm, and 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 just you know a lie of omission that by the way he still you know it's the right thing to do but i'm just not going to tell you that oh by the way it'll fuck up his brain once we've extracted what we want you know what i mean like like, you don't you don't need to know that part because that doesn't like the overall mission matters not that part right so like that doesn't matter by the way we also don't know if that's actually true because that's what giorgio says to Vernon. right we don't know if she's trustworthy yeah we don't we don't know if she's trustworthy but about that. Giorgio goes to Burnham and says, hey, FYI, I'm giving you this hint because then you'll owe me a favor or whatever. Yep. Um, More here's of what's that. going on. <laughs> Leland is double crossing you. You need to get your brother and get out. Like, I'll help you and make it look good. You yeah, I like look- that. Yeah. I, I like that as a way, not just for the textual uh, reasons you've described, but also the metatextual reasons of, hey, it'd be nice to throw an action scene here, but there isn't really an excuse for one. <laughs> so let's say, so the you got to make it look good. That that was clever. Also, also yeah. we have Michelle Yao who is right. Like, so a, so let's let her kick some butt. Choreograph yeah. fighting. Right. Yeah. So we have we have Sonequa Martin Green and Michelle Yao duking it out in the hallway, which was yeah. like. I didn't awesome. feel like that scene was necessary, but I'm like, I'll watch this. I like yeah, yeah. No, it was, them it, do a right. choreographed it, fight scene. It was right, smart. like it was awesome, and it was it, they played it up for the cameras, which is what they're supposed to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's supposed to look like they they had a struggle, and it does. Yeah, like I felt like it was um, way overdone. Like she could have just punched her and left. But like I said, yeah. I, well, but I like the other thing it, that so. yeah, it was it was good to watch. The other thing is like I love the fact this this makes perfect sense too. That like I love the fact that like 
Giorgio's like, oh, you're gonna have to punch him. Michael's like, fuck yeah, I am. I'm gonna punch <laughs> you. Like because like you know she's she's over. She doesn't trust her. She you know she's pissed like that. She's got a position in section thirty one. Giorgio is supposed to go get lost somewhere, not not like you know hang around and influence the galaxy. Yeah, that was Michael's. You know, Michael didn't think so anyway. So yeah, you know, ever since they. She realized that she's working for Section 31 a few episodes ago. You know she's wanted to hit her. So she's like, awesome. No problem. And just like, bam, like right to the solar plexus, I think. And it's just like, okay. <laughs> I love watching so. those two. I, they're also just both really great actors. Yeah, so it's I, a lot of fun. I, I like watching them in scenes together. And I love the like the little the little uh, kind of like little look on Georgia's face when she purposely like phasers right by Burnham's head and Burnham's yeah, like, yeah. that too. was that was and she goes like like damn that, that was, was too close, close. and yeah. and Georgia's like meh you know like whatever like it's supposed yeah. to look real that, that there was, was a really nice. great look between them when they do that yeah, yeah it was cute it was fun yeah so Burnham grabs her brother um, mm-hmm. heads out escapes the section 31 ship is this the part where there are like a ton of section 31 ships it's yes this is weird yeah why are there more of them people come on it was upsetting they keep why screwing up section 31 why so yeah now there's three of them right like in addition so there's two more basically that in addition to the one we saw searching this asteroid field which you know she in our notes here and i think this is very true and there's nothing wrong with this but i just like the description is i say burnham pulls the han solo which is awesome because it's true oh yeah powers down on an asteroid and hides Mm -hmm. so there you go i think it's at this moment this is so this is the the confluence of storyline a and storyline b right here Mm -hmm. on the the shuttlecraft um as they're escaping the section 31 ships um and Michael puts two and two together and realizes, mm-hmm. oh, Spock has been repeating this number sequence and no one could figure out what it was. But remember, he had that um, dyslexia-like um, learning disability. And he's sort mm-hmm. of like regressed to, 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 to his most... Yeah, because, sort of because it takes work. To sit- yeah, because it takes, it takes work to... Re, you know, sort of reorder yourself to fight that condition. You yeah, know, relearn. yeah. And so she goes, so "Oh, he's... what if it's what if it's mirrored?" Mm-hmm. And so, which I love, no one tried like, and no one thought of that. Yeah, try different orders of things. But like okay, he's been shouting these numbers for what months or something, and mm-hmm. no one tried. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> anyway, I, I, need, I need to interject. Uh, when he was talking about when he was reciting the numbers over and over again, it reminded me of the magic numbers from Lost. Do you guys remember that? Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The four, yeah, yeah, eighteen, yeah, yeah. twelve, thirteen, thirty-two, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. And there is the, Chris, yes. the you know, Ortsy and Chrisman. E- exactly. I which yes. is why I feel yeah. comfortable making that reference. That's true. Sure. There is a there's a connective tissue there. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, go ahead. I was going to say. So what are the coordinates, Kayla? So yeah. we we <laughs> find out that the coordinates are. To, yeah, the numbers are coordinates to a planet, and they are a, the planet of Talos Four. Dun dun dun. Did you guys <laughs> did you guys know they were going to do that? Yes, because it's the, because Kurt, only well, Kurtzman teased that they're going to go to Talos all the way back at New York Comic Con, and this is the only thing that makes sense. Is Spock's brain is scrambled? Who can help them unscramble it? Oh, the Talosians can. Like mm. putting two and two together, it's the only oh, thing that okay. makes sense. Now, I I didn't know when they were gonna do it, so I was still like, "Cool, that's when they're going." Like, but I can't. I was pretty sure that's where they were going. Plus, there was a um, 
the thing at the very beginning of the season, Pi- I think it's Pike opens one of the fortune cookies that's left oh, from yes, Lorca. Right. And it says yep. something about like the mind is not a cage or something like that. Or the mind is a cage. Something like that, right? I don't remember exactly the wording. Not all prisons are a cage or go. something like that. Yeah, yeah something yeah, like that. Right. Something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, I mean, so they, they were, they were the foreshadowing. The they episode. dropped the cage, yeah. yeah. Yes, they were foreshadowing it from the get-go. Yeah. Just a little bit. You'd have to know that, like... You'd have to know that, like, you'd have to have read our wonderful New York Comic Con coverage from October that says, <laughs> where Kurtzman said, hey, do you like televisions? Because we're going to see some. Well, so. and this, too, you're not most casual fans. The majority of fans might not necessarily realize that Talos 4 is that planet from the cage. Yeah, sure. I don't think they do. I, I, I had to go, hey, do you know what that is? Like, when the episode finished to my lovely wife who was just a very casual fan i said do you like do you understand the importance of that and she went no and i said do you remember like the butthead aliens yeah from, the from, you know and she goes no not really and i go okay well they're re- we're gonna rewatch the cage like before we <laughs> you know but but again i think yeah it doesn't mean it to more casual fans this may not mean anything just yet yeah, yeah. that's a good idea though um go and rewatch the cage before the next episode. oh highly highly uh, I, I, need, I need to do that i wish i'd done it I, I like the cage anyway, so I would recommend rewatching the cage anytime. Honestly, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, no, we should, the cage rewatch would be helpful. I think at this point, just FYI to people. Um, so yeah, Danielle Telosians next week. That's what we know. I kind of like she, the. I mean, I haven't liked a lot of the things that they keep going back to stuff in TOS, but I'm, I kind of mm-hmm. like that they're doing Pike and Spock and Telos Four. I don't know. I'm if kinda, they, I if they do it right, it could be really good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of into it because it's this it's this like they have an opportunity to do like like he keeps saying infilling, right? Because we have the cage, mm-hmm. which happens before Discovery, and then we have um, TOS and like the menagerie and everything that happens after Discovery. Right. And it's like, right. well, what happened in between that period? And there's so much sure. we don't know. And so they're using they're using the, the, the timeline in the right way, I think, in this instance. Yes. So I'm I, I'm kind of excited for it. Yeah, I'm very intrigued to see where this goes. I have to say. So, that's the episode. Were there any other sort of standout things that you guys wanted to mention? Okay, I had at a point I wanted to raise is A, well, two points, I guess. A, I would have liked to have seen Tignataro come back, but, you know, yes, we of course. a lot of people. So I wish it. they would. Yeah, yeah. I love her. Yeah, I think great. she, unfortunately, I think she's done because when she was doing like the talk show circuit, um, in the fall and talking about her experience she's only ever described the two episodes she's in like when talking about her scenes oh, so I'm, okay. I'm really bummed but I think she's done which is oh, that's too yeah. bad okay well, I hope I'll... I'm wrong but yeah. we'll find out okay then the other thing I guess I wanted to mention is I feel like it's kind of weird and I think we talked about this before we started recording last week but mm-hmm. we didn't actually say it on, on the podcast I think it's kind of weird that there aren't villains in this right like the red angel is this threat that's kind of there that is supposed to make us feel terrified or whatever but, but unlike it's not really a threat <laughs> but it's not really and it's and there's yeah. no there's no face behind it like like in the first season despite some Yet. of what i perceive as shortcomings they were very upfront of here's some bad guys and and maybe they also did some here's some people who are adversarial but kind of like game of thrones they're not 100% evil you just understand that they have competing interests with some of the people that you consider the good guys right Mm-hmm. And so they they were really thorough with that, and I and I liked it mostly. But to have no villains this season is kind of weird. Am I am I the only one who is experiencing no? You know, this? I don't. That doesn't bother me because we've also praised Star Trek for not always having 
clear-cut villains. So sure. I think it's I think they're sort of taking a risk with that and trying mm-hmm. it. Now we'll see how successful they are, but I, but I think it's a so far it's working. I think I'm okay with it because they I feel like without having a villain, it's going more to the sort of scientific exploration roots okay. of Star Trek right. where the goal isn't to beat the bad guy but it's to solve the mystery. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. So, so I'm yep. okay with that. I but I okay. but I see what you mean about it not cuz cuz I do admit that there is something about this season that I th- that hasn't felt compelling and I think it's because they're they're telling too many stories and they're yeah. competing with the through line the the season yes. long arc of the red angel and so like every episode it's like oh p.s the red angel's a thing back to this yep. other story mm. and yep. so and, and they keep teasing things like they strung the spock thing out for seven episodes mm-hmm. and like when we finally see him it's like oh finally now we can move on yeah i think now that we're on the back seven of of this they're they're it's just this is going to start to move along you know what i mean like we're going to get somewhere hopefully but and it I- feels you know, I don't yeah. want to complain too much because I like all of the individual stories that they're telling, but the way that it couples with the Red Angel story, for me, there's something, there's some mm-hmm. connective piece that isn't working. So, mm-hmm. I mean, so Jared, your point is well taken that, you know, maybe that's a thing that can give a little more focus. Because frequently that's who drives the action is the bad sure. guy. Sure. Yeah. And right now there's not a lot of driving going on, so. Yeah. No. Speaking of sort of bad guys, you might say, I, I want to point out that the episode opens with them around Kaminar, but like we don't ever, it's not really a follow up to what just happened in the episode before in any way, shape, or form. And I really wish that they had at least said something about yeah, it was what's weird. the current state of the Kelpians and the Bowel because they just unleashed quite the Pandora's box. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they, they you know, like goofed. like the like the day before, basically, just, you know, like, and it's like they just effed yeah. up that planet. Yeah, and so they're like, oh, we're hanging around Kaminar to look for the evidence, you know, all those tachyons from the Red Angel. And it's like, okay, what else are you doing there? Because you should also be, you know, offering, I don't know, assistance or something. Because it's, mm-hmm. what you just did was this massive thing. You made this massive ethical choice last week that anyway yeah. they, they didn't even have a throwaway line of like oh yeah like a you know a ship of like whatever is on it okay so sure, like tos yeah. used to so tos is so we've talked about kirk is guilty of doing this but um in at least a couple of the times he did this they explicitly said a group of specialists will now ah, like, come sure and work on this mm-hmm. so like you go watch return of the archons and by the way, Return of the Archives is one of the few times that this is a discipline that's near and dear to my heart. There's an explicitly sociologist among their party, which mm. is awesome. Nice. Yay. And that's who they leave behind. He explicitly leaves sociologist Lindstrom behind to like help oversee them, like become people and not like automatons, basically, again. Mm-hmm. Right. And so they, they at least pay this kind of lip service to it. That he doesn't always, because I'm pretty sure, like in the Apple, he just goes, "Hey, you'll figure out what sex is and stuff. See ya," you know, and just like leaves them. But in a couple of the other situations, they've actually said, "Okay, like we'll leave some expert or we'll get experts to come, like whatever." So they do sometimes at least do that. And this is like they so needed to say that just as a throwaway line. This at the is beginning. this is the modern the yeah. Apple. 
or or like yeah. the the USS Goodall is coming to take over for us or something like that. Th- that's it exactly. Right. They needed one throwaway line that says that to, to just says, you know, we know we're the, we know there's a situation down on Kaminar. Like we're not ignoring it. I was trying to look for some but, parallel between like apes and Kelpians. It's the USS Goodall. Like yeah, nothing. I was just trying to reference like a famous anthropologist or you know yeah. that I just pulled that out. I, I'm not trying to. Say I like that. it though. It's fun. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just for a, a good name drop. Basically. Sure. Yeah. 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 So I am, I am just so bummed that like, come on, throw in, let's like you said, Jared, throw in a line that says like, cause it's not their job. Right. But like somebody's job, like some Federation envoy is coming. Right. Mm-hmm. To like help them. I That's all they so. had to do. You, yeah. We hope so. That's all they had to say. And then at least it would have been like addressed somehow. And then we can move on, you know, mm-hmm. like in our other story that's going on. Um, Okay, another really big thing that I wanted to point out about Burnham that we found out. This is an obnoxious oh. piece of Section Thirty-One. Yeah, super I know what obnoxious. You're say. We we didn't talk about it in the in the main episode no, thing, we didn't. but like, okay, so going back to this crap where it's a small universe thing. Now they're doing it, but like even they're doing this idea even weirder. So now is it not only a small universe, but apparently the universe is conspiring against Burnham, basically. <laughs> so no, she wasn't. Her parents weren't really killed by Klingons. Apparently, or maybe they were, but they were put up to it by Section 31 somehow. Like, Section yeah. 31 was involved somehow. What the hell? Why? Yeah. yeah Why did they so even dumb. need to do that? It's I'm going to tell Burnham that you, that you, Leland, are responsible for the death of her parents. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah. This is really well, soap like, opera How? Like, how? <gasps> and why? What so is dumb. the reason? I did not How like could that. this possibly? No, not at all. How could this possibly be helpful? Like to it's, the story, no. to Burnham. It was supposed to be this twist reveal. Like you're supposed to go, oh my god, when yeah. she said it, and it was just like, but really? it doesn't. But it, it basically, like poor Burnham, shit just keeps getting piled onto her, and like, mm-hmm. why? It's so unbelievable. It's it's mm. right. It's it's not believable. It's it's just excessive. It's like why would why it's there would and it's unnecessary. Like why would you do that? It doesn't change. Does that change her story in any significant way? No, I don't no. think so. And her backstory no. is already so full in that mm. aspect. Stop right. Her backstory is already like really tragic and has a lot of shit that already went on. Mm-hmm. Like, did you need to pile on to this poor yeah, woman? No. no, no, you didn't. So I wish I like why? Why did she they cannot catch a break? The only reason why they did that is it's more leverage for Giorgio to bend him to her will. But like, but also like, come up with who more cares? Blackmail? Who cares? Yeah, if I were Leland, I'd be like, go tell her. I don't care. Yeah, and instead like, he was she... like, oh, okay, I'm under your thumb now. Bye, and like he slinked off, right? and he was like, okay. Yeah, I don't buy any so, of that. No, so that's annoying. Um, mostly for poor Burnham. Like, I don't understand why they think that's helpful at this point. So like, I don't. I don't. I, yeah, I hated that. Yeah. Um, on a on a bright note, I I love Tilly was maybe a little spazzy. I think she had a couple of two couple too many espressos this morning. You know what I mean in it. <laughs> but I liked, uh, but I loved her anyway. And I loved that she's like my favorite line is the one where she's like, "I'm sorry, sir. You know how I get around violations of causality." Which yeah, is that just was cute. So funny, like it's so Tilly. Like of course mm-hmm. she gets all like, you know, freaky deaky and like kind of turned on about this idea of like violations of causality. Of course she does. Like it's Tilly for you. Okay. Of course she loves it. So you bring this. So. I have to interject this. Did you see this post on Reddit the last week? The title, the Star Trek subreddit. The title was "The Neelixification of Tilly." 
Like oh no, Nate. she's not Neelix though. No, I disagree with it completely. Yeah, I disagree entirely but, with that. Yeah, but I I love the term and and I hope it's something we can all be Neelixification. on guard for yeah. that that we'll doesn't get Neelixed. Yeah. Yes, please no Neelixification. Yes, please. I agree. No, Tilly's I like awesome. I love Tilly. I yeah. okay, and and so, well, we'll save it for when we do our, our the season wrap up. But I, I agree. I agree. She's the yeah. strongest point. One last thing I wanted to <clears throat> sort of touch on is that I um okay so. I'm of I'm sort of mixed feelings about Spock now also having this learning disability because I feel like they're making Spock really damaged now. Like now he's like super emotionally damaged. Now we also learn that he had a learning disability. Like you don't know, like adult Spock, like not even just adult Spock, dude, Spock in 10 years who, cause he's an adult now, but like Spock, even in 10 years in TOS, like he's pretty damn pulled together. And I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Now, that is not to disparage any a learning disability because it is absolutely possible to work through dyslexia and work on strategies to like overcome it, you know, to work, you know, to retrain your brain, things like that, and to be perfectly successful. So that is not to disparage someone with dyslexia. That is not what I'm saying, just to be clear. Sure, But sure. I'm just saying, like, really, we're, we're piling on more, like, things for Spock. Like, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, on the positive side, I saw a really cute anecdote on twitter where um a guy said that his son looked up you know when they were watching discovery and his his son who obviously must have had you know a learning disability um looked up and said oh i have let's talk to rye just like spock and like that's really cute yeah. and that's a really nice moment that's cool like to see that like here's this like okay here's a really respected like you know science fiction like scientist you know figure and i'm like him you know that that's a nice moment. Like, okay, that's very nice. I don't know about in universe though. I'm not thrilled. Yeah, about that. I um, I had a sort of similar thought process, but when I, my first thought really when they said, oh, he had a learning disability, was that this will mm-hmm. be relatable for so many people, and it's really progressive, it and it's a way to say you can be right. successful. Right. And, and, the, and despite this right and for all those reasons i think that's great yeah like, I, I support that part of it i just don't know if that's like one more thing we need to learn about young spock sure for you know, spock yeah like they could have yeah. given it to a different character or something but to, like it's just, to it adds, or whoever it adds to the sure. diversity aspect right so if you you know you have a gay character that says oh you can be success a successful latino gay medical officer you know doctor mm-hmm. right all, yeah all all kinds of things and, and right. you can be a a scientist you know one of the smartest coolest logical people in the universe mm-hmm. and you could have a learning disability so right i, I do and that like part's that positive right yeah i appreciate it for that for sure i also will say one of the nice things okay so you know what's awesome about spock having a disability and amanda being his mom though is we know that amanda was a school teacher at one point so I think that's a really cool, like, she would be the right person potentially to know to work through, like, this with him. Mm-hmm. That's sure. a really cool little tie-in, like, to what we know of Amanda from canon already. Mm. She's nice. just, like, the right person. Yeah. Sure. I think that was nice. Yeah. So one thing I really just, I know we're sort of running along here, but one thing I wanted to mention, because it was such a pivotal moment for the season was those Talos four coordinates mm-hmm. um, because my first reaction was that's not coordinates <laughs> that's a <laughs> no. right that's a that's a bearing yeah. that's yeah. that's how they give bearings to helmsmen on starship you say you know yada 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 mark yada 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 
And so I, I thought, well, maybe, maybe I just don't know how coordinates. I was like, I actually don't know how to give fixed coordinates in the Trek universe. And so I, I did. Well, and we do though, of course. Well, kind of. I did some so the best. I did some cursory research, admittedly, but you know, from just looking at Memory Alpha and looking at all the canon on-screen references to coordinates, there's not a real standard. No, for they're it's, terrible it's with it. Badly used. So, so in canon, it's complex, and you could say that this was. They have given coordinates before that are fixed coordinates that are number, 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 mark, number, number, number. Um, mm-hmm. So there's not, there doesn't seem to be actually a real standard, at least according to no. the canon. Although the interesting part is one of the few times they canonically talk about doing coordinates, they they explicitly say there needs to be three. Like like not just saying coordinates like in dialogue, but explicitly talk about how you plot coordinates. Mm-hmm. They talk about three. I believe it's data lore actually. They're oh. they're like Wesley. If somebody's showing them how to plot coordinates, like on their you know on their helm control oh when wesley's and, talking about yeah he says there's yeah. three circles yep there you go and so they explicitly talk about the three different sets the of x x y and z yeah of course and so the funny so you're right they don't but they're not good about that at all i mean they give two like so frequently but is it's ridiculous. that is that fixed coordinates or is that a bearing because he says like there are like two intersect intersecting circles on a sphere so one is pointing you like sort of like left I don't know. and right that's and a good question. up and down. So it's two, two numbers can give you a, a bearing in three-dimensional space. And that's kind of what sure. he explains as well. But then, of course, but then says that they need three. Yeah. So that's the interesting part. So, I mean, in theory, yeah, they should have three unless they're relative, right? Sort of relative to where you are now. Maybe two works, right? I guess, but... Right, but anyway. it clearly, he it's not like he knew where their ship was going to be and they could put those coordinates and it goes, tell us more. Right. Like, that wouldn't work. So. Right, that makes no sense. So right. unless it's referenced to some galactic standard, like the center of the galaxy or something is zero. Yeah. And everything that's is one a bearing okay. from zero. Right. Okay, right. but then how is Earth sector zero, zero, one? Right. Well, that's a sector. Exactly. Maybe those are numbered differently. Ah, da, da, da. It's like well, the that, I, th- I think that tells you. And, you know, it's like different coordinate systems we use on Earth. Or, yeah, different. Or, yeah, or different a systems. metric system versus uh, this English standard versus yeah. meters type of thing right right well you know again like that map is i mean like to go back to the sectors thing that's our that's our version of a sector right like the humans mapped that and the federation i guess adopted it notice that we put ourselves at the center i bet you if you ask some other alien sure, species the how, how they map stuff at the center yeah. Yeah, yeah like they didn't map it they didn't map it that way but they adopted it as part of like you know the federation or whatever sure. I mean, but like if you ask the romulans they're probably like that's not sector zero zero one <laughs> you know like <laughs> or or like the expression um back east or out west yeah sure exactly yeah. East, right. east coast is the center of america right so sure, I, had a t- right. I had a teacher who pointed that out who said, no, we need to say out east and back west. <laughs> hey, I, I, sure. could, I could definitely believe that there are multiple conflicting coordinate systems. Oh, of for sure. Because, because did you know that currently, like in real life, currently today on the planet Mars, there are two conflicting what? coordinate systems. Already. No, I didn't know that. When there really? are no people, but two systems. They're exactly. Well, damn. Yeah, there's the wow. planetocentric and planetographic coordinate systems, and they're wow. and they're both given in like north, you know, degrees, minutes, seconds, but they're uh-huh. different. Like if you give one number, it you have to say which coordinate system it is, otherwise you could be in the completely wrong place on the planet. Well, what the heck? And that's that's <laughs> actually today, like a bunch of wow scientists came up with that. So there you go. 
Wow. Well, yeah. I have no doubt that there are different systems. I, do there just have to be, right? It just makes sense. And do those the coordinates that that they gave are those any like established coordinates for Talos? Well, or? not not really canonically until just now. But where they come from, and this is cool, is thanks to social media. A few people have noticed this. This is a deep cut, right? Like where they got it from was from the old like FASA role playing nice charts. They got it from apparently that's the that's the stuff I uh, somebody posted a little, a little like snapshot of the book too. That's from according to the role playing guide like that's the coordinates of Talos. That's, that's so cool. From like eighty uh, six, I think you know. Yeah. yeah. So so also too, I guess if there's a if there's an error in the way that it was described with the yeah, then it's, it's because it's from that. Yeah, it's because they just thought, hey, where can we pull coordinates from that would be neat, and found that as a reference. That's somewhere. super cool. Sure. I like it. Yeah. That was yeah. a that, that was that was a fun game too. Cuz as you're creating your character like you plan out their whole career up to the point before you start playing. And so you roll like like did they get on a on a constitution class ship or a lesser ship or were they stuck in the merchant marines or did they end up teaching mm. at Starfleet Academy? So you could have mm-hmm. a character who spent his whole time just at the academy. <laughs> That'd be kind of sad. <laughs> that would be very sad. <laughs> we should start a new podcast where we just play this role playing game because I've never. That would played be okay. No. That would be okay. See, the the problem yeah, the tabletop is, thing. Yeah. The, the the problem is like for like your traditional tabletop role playing game. Like if you get hit with a sword, you roll see how much the damage is. Oh, you survived or whatever. But with this, every time you got hit with the phaser, the damage just said disintegrated. Right? What? Whoa! So, that's for that's way too serious. Yeah. 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 Well, but if you're in a serious fight with someone, why wouldn't they try to dis- anyway, disintegrate you? Okay, we're digressing significantly, but <laughs> all relevant to the to the plot of Light and Shadows. Yeah, every yes, I think everything we've said, especially, especially the Vulcan this. knee pillows. Yeah, the knee pillows. That's right, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> the and knee if, if Vulcan knee pillow guys are looking for a website to help sell their wares. TrekMovie.com. <laughs> this episode of the Shuttlepod is brought to you by right. Awkward Little Vulcan Knee Pillows. Sarah yeah. recommends you get them in red, but they also come in gold <laughs> and midnight. And midnight, totally. Use code soothing, shuttlepod soothing to get ten percent off your own Vulcan pillows. Trademark, register trademark. Yeah, Not forget here. yoga mats. It's all about knee pillows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Find your katra. What what better way to give a Vulcan hello to your meditation <laughs> at the beginning of the day than with officially branded Vulcan Eve hellos? Officially oh licensed. Follow That's us hilarious. on Instagram as well, and and look for our booth at the Las Vegas Star Trek convention. <laughs> like and tag a friend. Tag a friend who could use. Oh my gosh! Okay, Vulcan we'll stop, meditation we'll stop. pillows. <laughs> So one last little thing, because we we've gone a little twenty five minutes longer than we normally do. So next week is season two, episode eight, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. And I uh, usually I've mentioned I avoid the previews, but I was so excited to see the Telosians that I had to watch it. Have you seen it, Kayla? No. Did, you, did, did they you show crumble? them? Did yeah. They show yes, them? we get a brief mm-hmm. glimpse, glimpse they of them. They look pretty good. I didn't look you, at them. Oh, you might want to. Oh, you you might want to go look. Do they still have butt heads? Yes. They yes. do, but, but they're not, slightly less pronounced. They're not quite so buddy. They're more yes. like brains or something, because they're supposed yeah. to be like their brains. So. They're fairly. It's 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 pretty tastefully done, I would say. A pretty taste. Do they pulsate? 
Yes, they yes. do. Yes. All right, Don't I'm worry. excited. Thank goodness they do that. I'm excited. Yes. Okay, also, I, I have to interject the name. So they've gone out of their way to have, like, religious-themed names of the episodes. And sure. if memory serves, isn't. But that no. is a line that Spock says in Wrath of Khan referring to the Genesis Project. So it is tangentially oh, go. kind of Boom. religious. There's your, there's your six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's more just like two or three. No, it is only like two. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Well, that sounds good. The time to wrap up this very long episode of the Shuttle Pod. Yes. We will see you guys next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Take care, everybody. Bye, guys.